All right, Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish and the sea, the birds and the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Man had not been created yet, but here is this plural, our image, to be like us. Now, some people think that he was talking to the angels, but the next verse kind of makes that not seem possible. Genesis 127 says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It says, in his own image. And then it kind of repeats, so there's no way you can miss it. In the image of God, he created them. How can it be a plural, an us, if it is the image of God? Well, a little more simple than we might think. Just 20-some verses earlier, we're introduced to the Spirit of God, that the Spirit hovered over the waters in creation. And when we read the Bible, we learn that the Spirit of God is a, a powerful, important, active part of who our God is. <coughs> and John's poetic words at the beginning of his gospel start like this. Yeah. It says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. Friends, he's talking about Jesus. Jesus was with God at creation. An active part of creation, even. Uh, You know, there's this great guy named Bob Shimon, and um, our teenagers met him on the retreat. He's pretty cool, right? Yes. Okay, good. Um, Weird guy, but amazing. Um, He's been a part of the... He'd be okay with that. Um, He's been a part of the vineyard longer than I've been alive. And one time he explained this idea in creation, something a little bit like this. At creation, the Spirit of God said, let's make wind and and clouds and rivers. And Jesus said, man, that just sounds amazing. And God's like, yeah, it does sound amazing. Let it be as you said. And then Jesus said, let's make pine cones and and butterflies and grasshoppers. And, and, And the Spirit said, and jellyfish. I just assume, I assume all the weird stuff was the spirit's idea. I don't know. I just, whatever. Um, here's, here's the picture I'm trying to paint. Creation was done in relationships. Creation was done in relationship. Human beings were created in relationship. We're created in the image of God. That means we're created in the image of Jesus. We're created in the image of the Holy Spirit, no matter how weird he might be. <laughs> and isn't this a great, this is just a, this is almost like a, a like an extra thing here. Isn't it great to imagine like how comfortable the Holy Spirit is in our hearts? Because this is like a custom built home, right? Like he was there at the beginning, okay? This is no little tiny space he's trying to fit into, right? This is not a genie in the lamp sort of situation, okay? When you build your own home, personally, I've never had the chance to do this, maybe someday, right? When you build your own home, you put in the extra bedroom and the balcony, right? Yeah. Okay? The Holy Spirit is very comfortable living in your heart. Yeah. Come on. And that's amazing. Right? He wrote the blueprints. We were created in relationship, an agreement, a masterpiece of our God that exists in three separate, equal, different parts. Yet sometimes we think that we can exist outside of relationship. That doesn't make sense. Outside of relationship with him and outside of the relationship with others. Does the nature of a God who creates in relationship then create something that is not intended to function in relationship? No, of course not. We're made to do life together. You know, truth is, whether you're hearing this 
message right now in person or whether you're watching it online, there's a solid chance that one of the reasons that you are here is because you are looking for community in some way, shape, or form. And guess what? There's a real good reason you're looking for that because you were created with it. Yeah. It's a part of who you are. It's a part of who every human being is. Mm. And guess what? We're glad you're here. Whew, that's a relief, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we actually think that that's a great reason to be a part of a church. It is. In fact, we think it's so important of a reason for it to be a part of a church that we put it right in our vision. Now, our vision is five things that are at the core of what we do. And one of them reads like this. We engage adults through purposeful groups. Now, before we move on, I just want to make a quick moment here. So it says adults, but like last week, Adam talked about how we engage our kids and our youth through purposeful groups. They get their own thing. So um, it's not that we don't engage them also, but they, they got their own separate whole statement, okay? You guys aren't off the hook. You're a part of this too. That's what I'm saying. I didn't want them to stop listening. Adults. We engage adults, engage adults through purposeful groups. Now, personally, I've struggled with this, especially as an adult. Um, and, and I think it, it started with early childhood. We kind of moved around a lot, and I was slow to build meaningful relationships because many of those relationships started and ended and started and ended. And um, it wasn't until I got to high school, maybe even later in high school, before I really started to build relationships that I depended on. Hmm. Yeah. But then later, I lost it as a young adult. Which is shocking, right? Doesn't everyone want to be my best friend? Right? <laughs> I'm a treat, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so truthfully though, <laughs> let's get back to reality. <laughs> the transition from adulthood or um, from high school is difficult. Yeah. It's difficult for everyone. And it's difficult in, in churches. And so I didn't come out of that transition with a great value for small groups. A man and I got married right after college, and we sort of flopped around from group to group. Nothing ever really stuck, but truthfully, we didn't know exactly what we should even expect. What does that look like, a small group? What needs exactly is it supposed to fulfill? How is it supposed to feel when you find the right one? And this is actually a really important one, and I have a feeling that many of us have, have kind of asked a question similar to this. How do I make sure that the value of the time that I spend, the time that I give up, how do I make sure that that matches the value of what I'm gaining from that small group? Right, because giving away a night of your week, we understand that that's a lot, okay? We don't, we don't take that with the greatest salt. I mean, man, you work all day and then it's like, all oh, right, go do something else. No. Yeah. Now maybe you have some of those same questions or maybe you have others, you know, maybe you say, I go to church on Sunday, isn't that enough? Or maybe, maybe you'd say it like this, are churches just obsessed with taking away all of my free time? <laughs> the answer is no, we'll get there. <laughs> maybe you'd say, well, what if there are no groups for me? Maybe you're currently in a small group or you're even a small group leader. And there are parts that you struggle with. Maybe you found yourself going to small group out of habit or obligation. Maybe you're asking questions like, why aren't more people in our group? Why, why isn't our small group growing? Or maybe you're even saying, why would I want my small group to grow? Today, I want to unpack all of that. I want, to, I want to unpack how that fits into the reality that we are created by a creator who loves community. Yes. Yes. Now, this series is all about casting vision for what we do and why we do it. And the idea comes from Proverbs 29:18, and, and we really love the way the passage or the, the message translation um, 
says this, okay? Uh, and so it, it, it's a great thing to look up in different um, versions, but we really like the message in this case. It says it this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. When we don't know the purpose of why we do something, there's going to be issues, right? If we don't know what we're doing and why we're doing it, it ain't going to work. And so, here's what I want to make sure that we do today. Whether you are in a group, whether you're out of a group, whether you hate groups, whether you love groups, whether you're a small group leader, no matter who you are, I want to make sure that no matter what we do today, we leave knowing why groups are a thing. What God's purpose is for them. Why they are important. Are you guys good with that? Yeah. Okay, great, good. If you said no, it's too bad. I was probably going to just go on anyway. <laughs> All right. So Jesus came, right? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay, good. Just checking. <laughs> and when Jesus came, there's definitely some changes that he wanted to make to the church, okay? It was kind of like this. It was kind of like the best episode of Undercover Boss ever. <laughs> right? You guys see this show? Great. It's been a long time, but man... And, like, he was undercover for a hot minute, too, right? He grew up in it. There was some time there. Okay? If you've ever watched this show, you're like, you're like, oh, maybe they caught him in a bad moment. Nah, Jesus had lots of moments. That wasn't it. Maybe there was just one bad apple at this location. Nah, Jesus had been around for a few. There were still some changes to be made. Oh, man, Jesus was making his list for years, and then the big reveal was coming. <laughs> So naturally, I think this. The best thing for us to do would be to look at Jesus' goals for the church. Yeah. And I mean, if there's anyone who we should ask what the church should look like, shouldn't it be Jesus? Yeah. I mean, Adam's pretty cool, but like... <laughs> <laughs> so what did the church look like that Jesus built? We find that in Acts chapter 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's unpack this. Okay? All the believers, that's us, if you would call yourself a believer, devoted themselves to teaching, right? That's a little bit of what we're doing right now. But what else? What else? Fellowship. Fellowship. Life together. Hanging out together. You know, every Vineyard Church used to be named Vineyard Christian Fellowship. <laughs> Fellowship is built into who we are. And now you see a lot more and more lot like this. Like, you see a lot more of, like, the Vineyard Church. But the value hasn't changed at all. Right. Okay, weekend services, friends, is not the whole church. Come on. Yeah. It's just the beginning. Yeah. And so they did teaching. They did fellowship. What else did they do? Well, it says they shared meals together and they prayed together. Those are good things, right? And then, what did it look like when they did those things? Well, there was a deep sense of awe. Now, personally, I feel like I've lived in a deep sense of awe, but I don't think it was the type of awe that they're talking about here, okay? Doesn't a deep sense of awe sound good? 
awe. It says, there were signs and wonders and miracles. Everybody okay with that? Yeah. Signs, wonders, and miracles. Let's do it. They shared everything that they had and no one was in need. They were purposeful in fulfilling every need of every person present. Here's my favorite part, because it just makes it so clear. They met in homes. Maybe I should say that a couple times. They met in homes. They met in homes, they met in homes, they met in homes. Okay, if your small group doesn't meet in a home, it's okay, but like you see what it gets out of here. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals with great joy. Anybody here like great joy? Yeah. Good, just check it. They were generous, praising God, enjoying the goodwill of each other. And more were added to their numbers each and every day. Friends, it could not be more clear that Jesus' intention for the church was so much more than us showing up to a building for once a week, for an hour and a half, and listening to someone like me blab for a while. <laughs> so much more! We are created to do life together. Yeah. It was true at creation. It's true now. It's true in this church. Yes. Can I tell you, someone who actually does this really well, and we don't want them to get big heads, but also we have to give them credit where credit's due. Our teenagers, our junior hires and high schoolers, do a great job of building groups. Mm-hmm. They really do. You guys are amazing. I mean, independently, most, no, not all, okay, most of our teenagers seek out friendships to help them feel connected. Anybody got a teenager at home and you're like, where are they? I never see them. Okay? They got friends. They're out doing life with people. Most of them, again, not all, most of them are quick to include someone when the opportunity presents itself. In our youth small groups, let me just tell you, they share openly, and honestly, and if I may say so, quite intensely, okay? <laughs> Listen, I, I know I'm biased, okay, but um, my, my small group leaders, they work hard, okay? When you see them, if you know who serves in revolution, you might even give them a hug sometimes. <laughs> There's a lot going on in those groups. <laughs> my youth team works harder than anyone I know. Our teams do a better job of loving each other than some adults do. They really do, and I know that's hard to believe, but it's so true. Now you guys, again, are not off the hook, okay? There's always more work to be done. My prayer is that they don't lose that as an adult. Yeah. Because it's easy to lose. It really is, especially in that transition. Like, I lost it. I mean, some of us would struggle to even say, like, when was the last time we went to just hang out with our friends? Or when was the last time you went to small group and just spilled everything that you're struggling with? Parents of teenagers, you ever have your teenagers say this? You need to get out more. <laughs> if you can sit back past the attitude that they used to say that, they might not be wrong, I'm just saying. <laughs> we were made to do life together with other believers. Yeah. You might say, isn't that just church part two? I mean, I'm here on Sunday, isn't that my community? There's no way that you can fulfill Jesus' intention for the church by showing up here for an hour or two on Sunday. Your small group is a place where you are known. You are truly known. Friends, look around this room. There is no way you or I or anyone else can truly know everyone in this room. If you're looking to belong, to have real community, it's not going to happen in your two-minute conversation about the weather in the lobby after service. 
It's just not. It's gonna happen while you're sharing a meal together. Yeah. While you're doing life together. Yeah. While you're fellowshipping. And you can tell me, right? And I, I know some of you are thinking, well, I, I share meals with my family all the time. Or I fellowship with the other parents during practice when we're sitting on the bleachers. Or I, I, I do that at the gym or, or, or maybe even at work or whatever activities that you do. I gotta tell you, I direct you back to that Acts chapter 2 verse. Are you truly fulfilling Jesus' intention for the church in those capacities? I don't think that we are. Right, come on. Let me ask you this. Where in your life do you find yourself in a deep sense of awe? Where are you seeing signs and wonders and miracles? Now, let me be clear, okay? Fellowshipping with people on the bleachers during practice is not a bad thing, okay? And maybe you're even praying for miracles, and if so, that's awesome. But doing life with other believers, we're supposed to do that too. Where are you finding your needs met? Where, where are you even honest enough to tell what your real needs truly even are? Come on, Brad. Friends, if you're not a small group, get in one. And if you're like, I go to small group and it doesn't look like that, change it. <laughs> are there other people in your life that need a place that feels like that? Invite them. Yeah, come on. It took me years of adulthood before I truly began to appreciate small groups. I'm going to be honest with you. Actually, I don't know if I really truly appreciate small groups until we got to this church three years ago. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but there was a gap. <laughs> the last three years, I've been a part of the Hill small group, and it's full of funny, sarcastic people. We get along great. <laughs> they put up with me, so that's a, that's a solid start. But you know what? learn to even be comfortable in that capacity. If anything, this message has taught me that I'm far from right. I've got ways to go. Come on. You know, we have a habit confusing the term Sunday morning service with church, right? Are you going to church today? They're not saying that that's wrong, but we have to remember that like, we're just shortening it for like Sunday morning service. Sunday morning service is not the, the entirety of church. Church happens in community. Yes. Community happens in small group. You're in a small group and you'd say, well, I don't feel a deep sense of awe while I'm there. Well, consider your role in taking that group to the next level. Yes. I'm not just talking to small group leaders, okay? A small group leader can only do so much. Yeah. Maybe you'd say, my small group doesn't really do life together. I imagine you could just go ahead and invite them all over to dinner before you leave church today. Again, I'm not just talking to the small group leader. Yeah. Then you say, well, the only miraculous signs and wonders in my group are that we show up at all. <laughs> Have you been praying for the miraculous signs and wonders? Do you do Holy Spirit ministry in group? Like, I mean, maybe you do the thing where at the end you, like, all say a prayer together, but, like, I don't know. Have you give, given prophetic words recently? Tried it out? Have you, have you like done like some activations or things where we just invite the Holy Spirit to come in and mess everything up and get it real messy? You want to see signs and wonders miracles? Start doing that. Look up. Here's what I'm saying. We have to do more than sit on the couch and answer questions that our small group leaders are reading off of a piece of paper. Maybe you'd say, well, I looked at the groups and there isn't one at a time that works for me. Guess what? Gather your two best friends and start a group. This is Corey Waters, and she's in charge of small groups, and she would 
been feeling this way. Um, I've actually been thinking recently, man, I, I wonder if we actually need a small group that meets right after second service on Sundays. Yeah. And like you, you all just like go to lunch together and then like you talk and like the sermon's real fresh, you know, you're not trying to remember it. Now, personally, that's not for me. Like, I like the midweek thing. But, like, if that's you and you're like, yes, that's a great idea, guess what? You'll be the one talking to Corey after service. <laughs> All right? Maybe you say, well, there's a, you know, like, well, not that, but, like, maybe a different time. Or maybe there's, like, a specific thing. Maybe, like, maybe you're like, oh, I think I think I'd really love to do, like, a women-specific Bible study. Corey's right over here. Shall we have here after service? Okay? It's time to do church so that, that it becomes a reality that more are added to our numbers each and every day. Yeah. Every person we see, every person we come across is created for community. Yes. Have you invited the people you come across to do life and community the way that Jesus intended? We need to be a community that fulfills God's intention for the church. We need to. The world changes when we become the church. We become the church when we do the things that make the church the church. Yeah. And we on. call that vision. Yeah. My favorite author, Erwin McManus, he says it this way in his book, The Last Era. Mm. I assure you, this is true in every arena of life. You will go faster and farther when you find your tribe. Yes. When you find a people committed to a common mission, a common purpose, you find those individuals who are like-hearted and like-minded and carry the same fire you carry and whose passion burns as brightly as yours. Yes. People don't slow you down. The wrong people slow you down. Yes. When you choose the right people, when you find your people, your life begins to come together in a way that it never could when you walk alone. Yes. Friends, we hope that in this church, you found your tribe. But you know what? If you've never been to a small group, there's, there's no way that you've quite got there yet. <clears throat> Let me pray for us. So worship team comes up. Holy Spirit, we love your church. Yes. We love that you created us to do life together in real ways. God, that when we do life together, when we gather in community, that your kingdom comes more powerfully in everywhere we go, in everything that we do. And I just pray that our hearts would be open, whether we're, whether we're in small groups and you're calling us to do more than we've ever done, or whether we've never been to a small group and it's time to finally go for it. Thank you, God, that we have the opportunity to see your kingdom come. Amen. Thank you.